pop culture has such impact, honestly, you know, and I think it's easy to dismiss like, oh, it's a basketball game. But when we're talking about this context, especially, it's so much more than that. Hey, Emma, welcome back. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, to the Her Life Blogcast. This episode is very special because it is the first blogcast installment of the Sporty Girl Chronicles, which has been happening on the blog for months now. <laughs> and we're also repping Fordham sportswear, I would say, right? Always go Rams. She said go Rams all day long. Actually, I'm going to just go ahead and dive into um, a quick rundown of what the episode is going to be because at the end of this episode, we have an interview with two very high-ranking women at the NLL, which is the National Lacrosse League Sporty Girl, and Jessica Berman, who is the deputy commissioner of the league, went to Fordham Law School. Oh my gosh, really? And was like, oh yeah, and then I went to Fordham Law, and I was like, wait, wait, Fordham Law? And she was just like, yeah. I was like, go Rams. Go Rams, just go (laughs) Rams. Oh my gosh. So, feeling alive, there's so many ties, we are all connected. I love New York, it's just great. Like I mentioned, the Sporty Girl Chronicles essentially started when I took my first sports communication class, and boy, I have never looked back. It really has shaped the journey of my professional career. I genuinely mean that because I've had a lot of opportunities through that professor, John Cirillo, shout out. This podcast wouldn't exist the way it is today without Sporty Girl, so I'm happy to be here, Emma. Happy to as well. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, let's just jump into some Her Reflections. We're going to do it a little bit differently because we are jam-packed this episode. So to save time, I'll do the H and the E, and Emma will do the R. So H, happy. I'm so happy because on my Instagram feed, there is so much creative energy from people that I love and am inspired by. I'll give you some examples, but I just feel like my soul shines when I see other people putting out content that they're proud of and that's thoughtful and and thought-provoking. And I'm just, it's so cool to see, especially now. I think a lot of people have been inspired by recent events and it's just so cool to see the work that people are putting out. Devin and Kevin have their Devin and Kevin Stop Making Sense Talking Heads podcast. My episode just dropped, so I'm so excited. I (laughs) sent it to all the cool people I know to be like, I know music, so that's cool. We talked about Ice Young before and her IG Live series, Fridays with Ice. I just watched the most mind-blowing thought-provoking, smart Instagram live show by Charlotte Hackinson. Do you remember her? She was an RA. Lots of these her people are RA. very familiar. I think, I think I she know was in Finley with Jack. Okay. I think that's the connection. But anyway, she's doing an IG Live series called See the Thing Is, where people come on and kind of offer up their hot takes, and then it's kind of like a debate kind of show. I watched her episode on Black is King today, and it just oh, very like, cool. blew my mind. It was so smart. Definitely give her a follow. It's a great series. And just cool. Like, I, that takes so much work to put out a weekly show. Are we kidding? Like, hello? No, I'm just kidding. But, like, seriously, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. So I just so much respect. It's so cool to see. And also, last one, Haley Messenger has a podcast, Girls yes. Gone Mute. Girls Gone Mute. She, she has a theme song and everything. I'm obsessed. So it's so cool to see people that you know and are inspired by making stuff. And then we get to listen to it and it's like, we know them. It feels so good. What a community. Anyway, that's what happens. Go Rams, I know. Okay. Also, I'm going to move right into my excited. I'm excited because we have a new kind of branch of the blogcast starting. We put out the first episode of this. It's essentially just us reading our blog posts, but that's kind of where the idea for the blogcast started in the first place, which I explain in the episode that came out. But 
we'll just put those out. I'm thinking we'll do them on Thursdays as like throwbacks to old blog posts and read them. And oh, yeah. it'll be a good way to kind of recycle content because we have a lot of new listeners and readers now. So I want to get all of that good stuff that we wrote six months ago back up in the feed. So I'm excited about that. We've had a great response so far and I just, I'm excited. I'm excited. Woo. I can move into realization. Yes. Tell me. So I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw this post and the quote reads, make peace with the fact that not everyone is meant to stay in your life forever, which oof, that hurt real bad at first. And yes, it's a very sad thought, but if you think about it, it's quite liberating when you think about the people who have hurt you and you're kind of still holding on to, and to kind of switch your mindset to this, it's, I don't know, it's almost like, oof, take a deep breath. You're like free from that now. So of course, like we grow, the people around you change, etc. But you know, according to you, Rach, how is this person serving you? I love that. And I will always, always have that in my mindset now. No, I think that's such a smart way to like view the world because it's true. And also Katie and Jessica, who again, will be at the bottom of this episode, did some realizations themselves too. And both of their realizations had to do with the fact that we only have so much energy and space in our lives. You know what I mean? And you have to be intentional about who's allowed to take up some of that. I think it's good. And I think you and I, Emma, keep each other in check in that regard. You know what I mean? Whenever we're like, oh my God, it's like, hey, how are they serving you? Because that's exactly. like, it's a friendship if they're not, if you're not like helped by it. I'm really, anyway. A thousand know. percent. I love you. I love you. <laughs> okay. That was a good rapid fire round. I like it. Okay, let's move on to Swoon of the Week, but not just any Swoon of the Week. It's Sporty Swoon of the Week. There's too many. I'm sorry. It was This one was hard. I know. Difficult. I know. You have two, which I like. So hit me with your first one. Sure. I can clump them together and basically oh, sure. the Celtics. I've been a Celtics fan forever. <laughs> they're like... They're like the real OG like NBA team of mine, but I've kind of put them on the back burner because they went through a whole up and down. Long story. Anyways, I would like to start off with Gordon Hayward. Really, I enjoy him because of his hair. Honestly, he glowed up from college, and I've been following him since college. Specifically, the 2010 NCAA Basketball Championships versus Duke, where he almost won the game for the underdogs of Butler University. Anyways, he's been like known for that. I will send you the clip because it's, you were literally will be on the edge of your seat. Anyways, mostly because of his hair. He has a beautiful family. He also like broke his ankle really bad, which I, I should not be laughing because it was almost career ending. Seriously, I was like, oh no, Gordon Hayward. But you know what? He's back and ready. Um, and then also just another hot male on the Celtics team is uh, Jason Tatum. And all I have to say is he is hot. A new thing we're doing on our outlines is like putting photos of the swoons because why, why haven't we been doing that the whole time? But like both are hot. I would be Jason, but like it's fine. No, but I was watching him the other day and he just was not scoring a basket. But you know what? He kept trying and that's all that matters. That's all we so. need. We just need perseverance is key. Exactly. I love exactly. it. Okay, I'm going to take us over to uh, baseball. My swoon of the week, my sporty swoon, is Tyler Wade of the New York Yankees. And I just have to say, Tyler and I go way back. We really do. Let me explain. Oh! Yeah. So Tyler used to play for the Rail Riders, which is Scranton's minor league Yankees affiliate. Is it called an affiliate? It sounded so right. 
a Yankees, like a minor league affiliate of the Yankees. It's not like major league is minor league. It doesn't matter. The point sure. is, I live in Scranton. So me and my dad every summer would like go to a Rail Riders game just to like bond. And I would always, every year, look up the roster, find out who was like the most handsome on the team so that I can kind of set my sights. You never know. I catch a foul ball. We fall in love. Like you have to be prepared. You know what I mean? You can't go in blind. So I had picked Tyler Wade. This was probably like two or three summers ago. I was like, imagine this. He makes it to the major leagues. He becomes a New York Yankee. I'm in the Bronx for school. We have this like Scranton to the Bronx love story kind of thing with roots in both places. And I just feel like we can have a beautiful life together. So that's my pick. Um, he still doesn't know who I am, but I follow him still. And I just keep liking. Sometimes I comment. I'm going to send him this. You better believe. So we'll see what happens. But also you never know, right? I just think he's so handsome. I'll say one more thing. He's got such a good set of eyebrows, and that is something important to me because I feel like if my husband has bad eyebrows, my kids have no shot because I have, like, no eyebrows at all. They're very thin. <laughs> so what I need is for a husband with, like, an eyebrow so that my kids can have, like, Brooke Shields eyebrows. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they have no shot in hell. So Tyler really <laughs> does it all for me. I'm really happy with this pick. I'm glad I got to talk about him, and I can't wait for him to hear this. Hey, Tyler. Before we move into our, like, actual current events updates in the sports world, Emma, if you had to marry a professional athlete, what sport would you want him to play and why? I'm going to go with tennis. Ooh, interesting pick. Tell me why. Yeah, I feel as though they're very respectful people and that they also value just family time in general. They're also quick with their feet. I don't know. That's pretty cool. They're pretty lanky as well. You do like a lank. If I, if I know anything about Emma, it's that she likes a lanky fellow. I do like a lanky fellow. Like but I don't know. I just, I'm always drawn to tennis people. But I don't know. They always just seem so nice. Yeah. Maybe because I'm like referring to Rafa Nadal and that kind of stuff. But you know what? That's okay. And I'm, I would have to choose tennis. Players. I think it's a great choice. The, I think those tennis players would be a great love interest for you. We have to start hanging out at the tennis courts. And they're all, like, foreign, too. I was just going to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, other than, like, Serena and Venus, they're, like, right. the major right. people. But, like, That's a great pick. I think I have to go NBA because I am who I am. And also, here's my thing. Like, you know, my future of my life is I'm planning to reach, like, high levels of fame. And so – I think being courtside is like an event. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like you get photographed sitting courtside. They talk about what you're wearing. They talk about the vibe. They talk about the way you're cheering. I want all of that documented because I am a performer. You understand? <laughs> They're not going to talk about me if I'm like in the stands of an, or like in a box at an NFL game while my husband's getting like concussed over and over again. I don't want that. You know? You have to find a good NBA person. I know. I love a basketball player. I know you do. I no, you do. I don't know. That's my pick. So let's get into it. And we're going to talk about sports. There's been a lot of notable sports updates as of late. The biggest one being the return of sports. We're back at it. How do you feel? Uh, I'm like a little iffy about it. I don't know. Like as much as I, I like watching basketball, that's like the, really the only thing I like to watch. It's just like they're very close together, yeah. aren't they? No, yeah, they're definitely. sweating on each other, etc. Like I, I don't know. It's it's a little sketchy. Definitely. Yeah, I feel that. Maybe rushing too much. I know people are thrilled though. People are so ready and like, I don't know. Maybe it's doing good things for mental health. 
that we have to weigh. That's true. That's true. You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of people are really coming together over it. But also that could be bad because like don't get together with your homeboys and watch it if you're gonna. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Things to think about. Anyway, we'll start with baseball. My dad's been watching a lot of baseball, so by association, I've kind of sort of been watching. I haven't really been watching baseball at all. But when I made the outline, which was already weeks ago, I was like, this is old news. It was Yankees versus Nationals was the first big thing, which I had to talk about because Tyler Wade is my Yankee love. So I just wanted to talk about it because of him. I don't even know if he played, but like he was there, you know. But anyway, and also Dr. Fauci with the first pitch. Emma, what do we think? <laughs> There's, I just feel, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. There's just been, he's been made fun of so much for it. And like, I stand for Dr. Fauci, so I'm just like. No, me too. But also, like, no. wouldn't you practice? Wouldn't you practice so hard if you knew you were throwing out the first pitch of baseball after a pandemic? Like, everybody, the entire world is watching you, and you're going to, like, throw it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. do any better. But I'm just saying, wouldn't you practice? Dr. Fauci. I saw a tweet that was like, honestly, this makes me trust his science more. Like, the <laughs> Oh, man. I agree with that. I think yeah, he got, oh. Anyway, he's doing great work. We stand Dr. Fauci we love. But also, Fox Sports has been putting in the virtual fans for the games, which looks exactly like Wii Sports. Does it not? It looks the same. It's the same sound effects. I swear they took the same, like, algorithm of Wii Sports and just put it in Major League Baseball. And you know what? I'm not mad at it. I like the vibe. What do you think? It's definitely trippy. I think it's very trippy. Like when I see it, I'm like, wait, double take technology is really great right now. But also, whoa, double take. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool to see the creative energy coming out of these sports. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to the ballers, the NBA. We have more virtual fan updates from the NBA. They're using Microsoft Teams to bring virtual fans into the real world games. So they're installing these massive 17-foot-tall screens onto each of the game courts to serve as the digital stands where people literally... It's beautiful. It's like you're on a Zoom call. Like, you're basically... It's you. Like, your live reactions. Yeah, the technology removes the participants' individual backgrounds and places their heads in stadium seats. Isn't this crazy? It's very realistic. It's very realistic. I haven't watched, but you've seen it. Yeah, I just watched my first game with my dad the other night, and oh my... Goodness gracious, it looked just so realistic to me. They had like the music going and everything and like the fans cheering, the camera flashes as well, announcers, mm-hmm. etc. It was crazy. I have a oh, quote goodness. from the NBA's head of next gen telecast, which I didn't know was a position you could have in the NBA, but Sarah Zuckert is her name and she said, quote, Our goal is to create an enjoyable and immersive experience where fans can engage with each other and maintain a sense of community as we restart the season under these unique and challenging circumstances. I think it's just one of these things you do what you got to do and it's forcing people to be creative. And then also, and I think Katie Lavin talks about this later in the episode too. It opens the door for a lot more fan participation and more access to the athletes themselves. You know what I mean? We're opening up all these other channels. You're kind of experiencing it in a whole new way, which is kind of cool. Anything else to say? Yeah, uh, no, I was going to say that, like, apart from the technology and everything, I think just, like, the mindset for the players, it's kind of, like, going back to the beauty of the sport and kind of, like, why they play the game Mm -hmm. along the lines of minimizing, like, the fans being there, the marketing aspect of everything. Like, I've been watching the Bulls documentary on Netflix, and basically they've been saying, like, organizations win championships, not players. And I definitely think, like, professional sports have 
it's it's a business and these poor players are like i just want to play the game that i love and i'm losing love for it because of this business aspect so perhaps this also will ignite some passion back into the players since they don't have to essentially like please a crowd or something like yeah. that it's a good point it's interesting to think about and i think like it's hard to separate the two right because the sports world that we know is forever linked to fan experiences but also the very corporate side of it like it is a business so many people are employed for the sole purpose of making money and so then when it comes down like first of all the pressure on the athletes must be insane right and i think there's people that would say they get paid to do it they're living the dream like that's the price you gotta pay so i don't know it goes both ways but i'm interested to see how this will kind of change how we view it Excellent analysis, Amos Foldy. We love it. Okay, let's move on to women's now. The WNBA recently dedicated their season to Breonna Taylor and the Say Her Name movement, which was so beautiful and moving to watch. I don't know if you saw the video, but I have, yeah. Okay, so I have a quote from Laisha Clarendon of the New York Liberty, who kind of introduced this dedication. She said, quote, we are dedicating this season to Breonna Taylor, an outstanding EMT who was murdered over 130 days ago in her home. We're also dedicating this season to the Say Her Name campaign, a campaign committed to saying the names and fighting for justice for Black women. Black women who are so often forgotten in this fight for justice, who do not have people marching for them in the streets. And then everybody took a 26-second moment of silence because she was 26 when she died. They were all wearing Breonna Taylor's name on the back of their jerseys. I think the Say Her Name was at the bottom. And it was both teams. It was Liberty and their opponents, the Seattle Storm. So it was a cool moment of we are not opponents. We are all just athletes who are using this ginormous platform that we have, especially because it was so postponed. You know what I mean? You have more eyes on you when people were so ready for sports to come back on. So really taking advantage of this platform and making a very bold but important claim. What do you think? No, definitely. I agree. And I think it's also an opportunity for perhaps like male professional sport players to use their platforms to uplift women professional sports because I mean people treat them like gods you know what I'm saying so I think they have an opportunity to really uplift their partners and which I think is amazing I definitely they should do and they should have always done yeah I think it's cool that I don't know I just think this also gave the WNBA a little bit more spotlight which is good I think anytime they're getting the recognition that they deserve is a win in my book and like what a good way to use that win I just think it was so such a responsible way to kick off the season and also like we're talking about the passion of the athletes like you're gonna play your heart out with a season dedicated to such a worthy cause you know so we're really starting to see and I think this has always been the case but pop culture has such impact honest, honestly you know and I think it's easy to dismiss like oh it's a basketball game but when we're talking about this context especially it's so much more than that so definitely a theme of the episode, definitely a theme of this sports season. So important to draw out there. Okay, moving on. National Women's Soccer League. So we got big news from them. A few weeks ago, the National Women's Soccer League announced an expansion to LA with a new club, a team to be owned almost entirely by women, which we love to see. That's very exciting. The new club in LA features a who's who of high-profile celebrities and athletes, including... Natalie Portman, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Garner, Eva Longoria, and former U.S. women's soccer team player Mia Hamm. We got a lot. What else? Oh, yeah, Abby Wambach, Serena Williams. What a lineup. It's beautiful. It makes your soul shine, no? 
Oh, I mean, I have girl crushes on like the whole U.S. women's soccer team and I support them like a thousand percent. Me and my friend Irene were just like, oh my gosh, we love every single human being on that team and they deserve so much more because they win the championships. You know what I'm saying? The World Cups, they still should be getting equal pay, but uh, I don't know. No, that's a whole other thing, but you're right. I mean, everything you said, it's so... Yeah, definitely. It's like one of those hot button issues that shouldn't be a hot button issue. Like, why is this even an argument? It's mind boggling to me. But definitely a, a step in the right direction. It was cool to see all the Instagrams that came out of that. Of Jennifer Gardner post. We were like, what's going on? Does she play soccer? I was like, did she join the team? I was confused for a second, but I'm with it now. And I don't know, I just think it's such a cool and also think about it like different industries coming together. There's something really powerful about that. I just, I love to see it. I really do. Um, we're about to talk about, like I said, and I've been kind of teasing this whole episode, a lot of girl power, a lot of female empowerment, which is always great. We've got a great BAB segment coming at you soon. But first, we've got to preface it with a little bit of lacrosse news. Emma, I'm so excited. Okay, so recently, and if you follow the blog, you know, I got to sit in on a media press teleconference from the National Lacrosse League when they announced their 14th franchise. They are taking to Texas to play at Dickey's Arena. Big news, big excitement, and the owners of the team are big WNBA owners as well. They manage the Dallas Wings. So big Texas energy, big female empowerment energy. I actually got the chance to ask the commissioner of the NLL about the potential for a women's league because, hey, like, why not? And especially having these owners who work in women's sports. And I have a quote from him. Are you ready? Anyone who knows the National Lacrosse League and the way we roll around here knows that we are no stranger to inclusion and diversity. He said he recalled the rebranding of the NLL logo with the Morning Star and its respect to Native American symbolism. And he also made explicit reference to Jessica Berman, who we're about to hear from, as the first female deputy commissioner at a major professional sports league. So that's big. There's such a, at least in my mind, there was a big misconception that professional sports, especially men's professional sports is like a boys club in the front office so it's cool to see that that's not necessarily the case um and then he said as for the potential for a women's league if the opportunity presents itself at the right time we will absolutely go for it so who knows in a year from now we might be reporting on a women's lacrosse league which would be really cool any other hot takes on lacrosse before we transition into the bab of the week I think just in like lacrosse and maybe other forms of sports like rowing or example that which these types of sports are kind of in communities with money, et cetera. But now, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening, I think there's more talk about how are we going to diversify these sports, et cetera. So I think that's also an important conversation to have. And I hope that these professional sports teams are also talking to communities to introduce these sports. Absolutely. And like I said, I hope that this moment inspires that. And I, like, I hope that we were kind of on that trajectory anyway, but also it's kind of like, how did it take this long, but also better late than never kind of situation. So definitely if I have one major takeaway from the episode, it's that things are getting better and there's a lot of respect for the big stage that is professional sports and how much attention it gets, especially at a time now when people are craving something to rally behind, you know? So if that can be like a lighthearted sports match that also is dedicated to a really great cause, like in the case of the WNBA, who wouldn't be happy to support that? Feels good. 
This is a feel-good episode. This is not a kill. No, no, okay. no. So without further ado, these women, such badasses. I'm so excited to have them. Oh, my God. So we're about to hear from Jessica Berman, who, like I said, is the Deputy Commissioner and Executive Vice President of Business Affairs at the National Lacrosse League, and also Katie Lavin, who is the Vice President of Marketing at the NLL. They were so gracious and just fun to talk to, and it was really great. One of my, the standout best parts for me was when we had them do the Her Reflection, so they all go through their happy, excited, and realization, and it was just so fun. I don't know. It's just fun. I loved it. They were such good sports about it. <laughs> Sporty girl. It was really cool to have new people on the show. That's all we got for you for now. We're going to transition into that, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Okay, great. Hi, guys. I'm Rachel Malik, and I'm here with Jessica Berman and Katie Lavin of the National Lacrosse League. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's fun to be here with you. So exciting. I'm glad to have you guys on the blogcast, as we call it, to just run through a little bit of what you guys have been up to. We're going to talk a little bit pandemic. We're going to talk a little bit all the pop culture updates with sports, which I'm excited to get your takes on. But let's start off just with a little background. Maybe we'll start with Jessica. Just trace us through your background. How did you make it from undergrad to the NLL? Sure. Thanks. I went to undergrad at the University of Michigan. For anybody who knows me, they probably know that already because I'm a typical Wolverine where I wear my Michigan sleeve everywhere I go. When I was at Michigan, I worked in sports and I went there because I wanted a career in sports. And so I worked for the athletic department while I was there managing the football, baseball, and hockey teams. When I was there, there was no lacrosse team, PS, other than club. So uh, after that, I went to law school at Fordham and continued to pursue a career in sports in the legal capacity and worked at the National Football League as well as a sports marketing agency, IMG, and joined Proskauer Rose where I worked as a labor and employment lawyer for four years, also working on sports clients, representing the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the National Hockey League, and uh, was outside counsel for the NHL during their 2004 collective bargaining negotiations and ultimately came in-house in 2006, where I worked as deputy general counsel and transferred over onto the business side in 2015, where I led their corporate social responsibility efforts and was the executive director of our foundation, overseeing all of our philanthropy work and really helping to align our social impact and community work with the business objectives of the league. And then in September, I joined the NLL, where I'm now the deputy commissioner and working on everything to grow revenue and relevance for the league. Awesome. And we love Fordham energy. We are all Fordham grads here on the, on the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Katie, I'll throw the same question over to you. Great. Thank you. Yeah, so I have somewhat of a different background. Um, I went to school at Cornell University up in Ithaca, New York and uh, was in the Dyson School of Management and graduated with a a business degree, which I then took into the fashion industry and was in the licensing division of Liz Claiborne Incorporated, which doesn't sound that interesting to a 20-something girl right out of college, but I had the fortunate luxury of working on brands like Juicy Couture and Lucky Brand Jeans and some run of the the young and, and fashion forward brands and help develop new categories for them within their portfolio of apparel and, and accessories. 
From there, I stayed in fashion and went over to Ann Taylor and Ann Taylor Loft doing corporate marketing and digital development for them. And then took a pivot and went over into the advertising world and was in at McCann Erickson, JWT, uh, and McGarry Bowen uh, in different roles varying on clients from Weight Watchers to new business and, and development to Verizon Wireless and Verizon Technologies. And from there, really curated a, a robust experience about what it takes to develop the entire campaign and understanding the customer journey, um, which I've then been able to apply in future roles, both in sport, so fast forward to today, but to get from then to now, I transitioned out to agency side at Wasserman Media Group and was working in the consulting department there, working with big brands and properties to help them best leverage their sports sponsorships and digital activations. And then went over to Fox Films and spent a couple years doing film marketing and entertainment marketing before branching out on my own um, and applying a lot of my uh, experiences and and passions to um, some smaller brands, some startups, consulting for clients in both the B2B and the B2C space for finding my way back to sport here at the NLL. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Definitely lots of different experiences there. So yeah. I'm going to hop down. I have a question specifically about pop culture, something we've talked about a lot on the blog and, and on the show recently, because I think it lends itself well. How do you feel the role of sport or even, like I said, pop culture at large in shifting national conversation? I think we're seeing a lot of overlap into the political space. Like, obviously, it started with Kaepernick years ago, and now we're seeing it more. The WNBA just came out dedicating their season to Breonna Taylor, all of that. How do you, as higher-ups in the corporate sports world, kind of process that responsibility to have such a big platform that's getting increasingly political? Sure. You know, well, I think for me, I start the analysis from the place of why I work in sports, which is really for that exact reason. I've always felt that sports is one of the few aspects of our fabric in society that brings communities together and has the power to impact social change. And um, we obviously know that from Nelson Mandela and so many other amazing examples throughout history where sports has been used as a catalyst to drive social impact and change. And so for me in my role in sports, that's the reason I get up every day and do what I do because I firmly believe that sports has that power to unify communities. It's one of the few places I think where people really come together and the differences between people shed when they unify around a particular love and passion for a team and their performance. And certainly on the field, on the ice, on the floor, on the court, it's the epitome of people being able to demonstrate that they have a unique contribution to drive an outcome and that different inputs and perspectives and backgrounds really help a team to excel. And so it's, for me, the, the best example and embodiment of diversity and inclusion is watching and playing sports. I guess to answer your question, I take that role really seriously. That's very cool to hear because obviously it's more apparent to me now just as a sports fan and a viewer that it's seeping in more and more, but it's cool to see that that's kind of end game for all of you, always in the back of your mind that that's something to work towards. Sure. I'm sure Katie has a unique perspective from a marketing standpoint too. 
Yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah, it. I echo everything Jessica says. And from a marketing lens, it's the balance of seeking to understand and then also seeking to share our point of view and being able to put substance behind our words to showcase our actions. And uh, sometimes it's easier to do depending upon where we are in our season um, because in the off season, we don't have as much access to the teams or to the players to activate as frequently as we want to. And so we have a lot more content and a lot more influence in season, but we strive to make sure that all of our initiatives and all the areas that we support are adequately substantive year round. And so it just might, that action might just change depending upon where we're at, uh, which is unique because sport does have on and off season, whereas a corporation that has a really uh, robust CSR plan, it's the same thing every day. So they're able to execute at a plateau and a specific benchmark day in and day out. Yeah, interesting. I never thought about it from that point either. I also want to talk about the pandemic because obviously that's changing everything about everything but I want to see how you guys are tackling it specifically within the NLL and also just get some reactions about the virtual fan kind of things we've been seeing as seasons are starting up again. Reactions, is this the future? Do we like it? Do we hate it? What do we think? I'm going to let Katie take this one because she had the good fortune of starting a new job through before the pandemic started. So <laughs> she can talk about what it's been like to start a new job during a pandemic. Yeah, and, and building on that, how our fan experience has evolved from when I started day one to today. And I don't think that this is forever. Um, we'll see the next gen of fan engagement in arenas when that time comes. Uh, it's just, it's going to be different than it was in January of 2020. It's been really interesting to see the pace that both fans, their behavior has changed and how they feel comfortable using technology and using uh, digital platforms to either engage with each other. It's provided a whole new avenue of access to players and teams. Um, a lot more BTS content, a lot more one-to-one -one interaction and just group interaction together. Community has changed from high-fiving people in adjacent seats to high-fiving people in virtual seats that are being simulcast into arenas. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of trial and error broadcast how to pivot and offer unique viewing experiences depending upon the fan. So the fan then had choice. And that choice is going to continue to evolve as new technologies and new platforms can support the way that fans need to engage in a virtual community, um, but then also feel like they're part of the action in arena. Uh, so we've got multiple areas of advancement that I think will carry over into the next gen in arena fan experience in ways that we have yet to discover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a big silver lining where it's just more accessible on a larger scale, you know, so mm -hmm. that's the name of the game is to just focus on the silver linings, I think at this point, for sure. Let's see, I also wanted to ask you guys a little bit about your personal experience, just from a girl power perspective getting to the point that both of you are at, which are obviously high-level careers in the sports world, have you experienced any pushback or even blatant sexism? What keeps you going? I know you've talked a lot about the passion for building communities and the responsibility that comes along with that. Does that play into this as well? 
I can start. And then, you know, I know Katie has unique experiences as well, even outside or adjacent to the sports industry. I've worked my whole career in men's professional sports. It's really all I know from a professional standpoint. So from my perspective, having grown up in the 80s and 90s at a time where certainly, you know, all of the expectations were that gender equality shouldn't be an issue. Uh, it, it didn't sort of feel that way coming into the industry, certainly in the 90s when I was doing internships and on the men's side of sport felt like I was really the only girl or woman in the room. And for me, the way that sort of conditioned me, I think was consistent with a lot of values in my upbringing, which was really to never give anyone a reason to not give me an opportunity. So really just always hold myself to the highest possible standard in terms of professionalism and work ethic. And I probably outperformed or overperformed in a lot of ways. That's probably a conversation for a psychology podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I just, I really always felt like I never wanted there to be any basis for anybody to discriminate against me or exclude me. And I would say, I, I certainly never felt that I was not given appropriate opportunities. Certainly I crossed paths with people along the way who might've done or said inappropriate things, but I learned throughout my career to really surround myself intentionally with people who were open-minded and to do less of trying to change other people and focus on the white space where people were interested in hearing my perspective and wanting to give me an opportunity to contribute so that I felt less frustrated or demoralized. Yeah. And building on what Jessica said, I've definitely felt that in my career thus far, I've been able to find strong advocates who can see me for the person and the the contributor and the worker that I am, which has helped me to potentially avoid some of the other, you know, you brought up blatant sexism or inequalities that somebody might find at the workplace. Um, I definitely see them exist in places I've been and, and friends and networks that I have. And I just hope that, and, and, and maybe sometimes it, it didn't pan out, but I would hope that what I was contributing and the work and the effort that I was delivering and the results that the business and the brands were seeing would speak enough that there wouldn't be any questions when it came down to roles and responsibilities and promotions or anything that would come along with that. I do feel that there were times I saw the the difference between how females were treated and how their compensation might have been created versus male counterparts. And I just strive to always overcome that. And maybe I was successful, maybe not. I don't know the full details or what happens sometimes behind closed doors. But I think that having senior level leadership that you want to emulate and that teaches you to be open-minded and to be inclusive and appreciate people for who they are and what they bring to the workplace has been very important and uh, influential in my career thus far. It's so good to hear. And I think reassuring to hear, because I think, especially in an industry like sports, there's a lot of maybe assumptions that it's the boys club and that there's not room for women at the top. So I'm glad that you, your experience doesn't really speak to that. And it all goes back to the work. You know what I mean? If you're willing to put in the work and make yourself the ultimate asset, you know, 
Now to pivot a little bit, we recently did a Killjoy content series on the podcast. Content that is meant to upset you and to challenge you and to kind of confront you with the harsh realities. Is there anything you've been reading, watching, listening to that has killed your joy in this way? And would you recommend? I'm going to take the last question first. And I've been consuming a lot of Brene Brown. She is um, actually a trained psychologist um, in the place of vulnerability and and shame, actually, which has allowed her to put forth a lot of books about leadership and greatness and, um, and just, you know, self-reflection in both executive as well as personal situations. And I just, I think that that has been in this time for many reasons, a really good resource to just learn and and read and, and dive deeper into some areas. And that has been not a kill joy for me, but like a ins- inspiring joy mm-hmm. um, that I would pay forward uh, to the listeners and to the readers. That's so funny, Katie. We've never talked about it. And I, I watch her, her TED Talks and her stuff too. Um, you, you know, I'm uh, obsessed with psychology and yeah. that sort of stuff. My mom's a psychologist. So I mm-hmm. am constantly interested in studying and observing how people think and uh, leadership. Um, I am reading uh, White Fragility whenever I have free time, which is never. So it's taking me longer than I am proud of. But really, a lot of it is not necessarily new information. I've worked in this space for a long time. And I grew up in Brooklyn, which is really melting pot and really growing up with systemic racism all around me, uh, seeing kind of who who and what families and communities were able to provide the opportunities and resources for people to quote, get out, which is how we used to refer to like leaving Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But it, a lot of good reminders to really sort of help to understand the history of sort of how we got to where we are today. And so, it's definitely been thought-provoking. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Okay, now to round us out on a much lighter note, because we've gotten to a lot of heavy stuff, but thank you guys for being just so great and open about it. But always, every week on the show, we go through with whoever our guests are, are her reflections. We could essentially go through our acronym. The H is for happy, something you're happy about right in this moment. The E is for excited, what you're excited about in the future. And R is for a recent realization that you might have had. Whoever wants to start can start. <laughs> Jessica, I defer to you. Oh, I was going to defer to you. You're the marketing person. You're like so pithy and quick. Um, <laughs> but okay, I'll go first. Something I'm H happy about that it is warm and sunny and we um, are going through this global pandemic during what is the spring, summer and leading into the fall. I've often had gratitude and thought about how much harder this would have been if this sort of hit us in the opposite six months. So like a November to April type time frame. every single moment that I've been able to get through this by being outdoors, I am very appreciative of. So that's my H. What I'm excited about, I am excited about, I'm going on to my one year anniversary here at the NLL and Um, with Katie on board and we're sort of rounding out our team. I really feel like 
uh, when you start a new job, especially for me in the role that I was in or am in, it, it takes at least six to nine months to really get your feet under you. And certainly the pandemic added additional challenges to my plate that I didn't anticipate. And so I'm excited to sort of now have been through a full year and be in a position to be able to really impact the future and growth of the NLL. Uh, recent realization that I have always thought of myself and my mom has always described me as a people collector. I have a lot of people in my life that I've always just tried to keep up with despite how challenging that has been from a time perspective and bandwidth perspective. But my recent realization is that I need less in my life, less rather than more in terms of those close relationships that are really fulfilling and deep and having that all of those sort of stripped away has really forced me to reflect on who are the people in my life who I'm craving most and really put me in a position to be intentional about fostering those relationships more specifically. So those were such great responses. I loved that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, um, your turn, Katie. Yeah. Um, so what makes me happy right now is I have a two and a half year old niece and she is so savvy on the phone. Um, she picks up her parents' iPhone and can call me and just being able to talk to her and hear her come back with some pretty amazing phrases where I have no idea where she learned them has been, makes, makes me very happy because you never really know when a two and a half year old's going to call you, which is one of the most exciting things that can happen in a day. What makes me excited is I had a lot of friends postpone milestone moments this summer. And so I'm excited to see them reevaluate their plans and, and reset some plans so that there'll be a time when we can all celebrate and get together. And I'm really looking forward to those moments. And so that makes me very excited. And um, as somebody who's very wanderlust and, and um, travels quite a bit, it's exciting to think of when other countries will let us back in again. <laughs> so uh, those are things that keep me excited and what I'm looking forward to what that experience is gonna be like when it's, it's opened and available again. A realization for me is very similar to what Jessica was talking about in terms of friendships and relationships is it's been really great to nurture the relationships that I have with um, the people around me mm -hmm. and how, as Jessica mentioned, starting a new job in February came with a move. And so I, I left my life in New York City and, and I'm establishing one here in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And that in this time when we're being basically legally required to stay away from other people has been very proving to me about the people and the, the, the space that I give them in my life, which is really important. Um, and so that has been my, my, her, that's my, her. We love, thank you guys so much. That's one of my favorite segments. I think it's good just on a personal level to actually reflect and be like, how am I feeling? What are, am I happy, excited, realizing in this moment? So thank you guys so much for participating. We'll finish off just with a rapid fire. What is the best advice you would give to your post-grad self? Uh, life is, knock on wood, hopefully if, if everyone's healthy, which is the most important thing, um, life is long. So be patient with yourself. And uh, I was guilty of feeling like I needed to do everything right away in my life. And my advice to my younger self would be to cut yourself some slack and 
try to enjoy the moment and, and not be so worried about getting to the end. I think one of the things that makes Jessica a, a great boss is we have very, we're like-minded in many, many ways. Um, so building off that, I think I've learned uh, that patience is extremely important that you should always seek to understand and every moment is a chance to learn. So you really should absorb it. I reflect back on moments in my career where I was in a room with some of the most prolific thinkers or some of the most inspiring individuals. And I might've been too task focused or narrow minded. And, and so I didn't fully realize what I was learning and, and the experiences they were providing me until like a year or two down the road. And I was like, Oh, I should have, really been in the moment there. Like that was an amazing opportunity. And I'm glad I have that. And I have that memory and that experience. I just wish that it impacted me sooner <laughs> that I didn't think about it, you know, much later um, when I had a chance to reflect and be a little bit mature in how I um, approach things. Yeah. Great advice. I'm soaking it all in as a recent grad myself. That's all yeah. I have for you guys now. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it all. Best of luck to you amid everything that's going on in the world right now. And yeah, just thank you for sitting down with me for a bit here. Thank you, no, for thank you for reaching out. We appreciate it. And thank you for your interest in our sport and our league and females in the industry. It's, it's really important. And we are excited to use your platform and, and to work with you in order to have these conversations. So it was really, really fun. So thank you, Rachel. Once again, that was Katie Lavin and Jessica Berman, both of the National Lacrosse League. It was so wonderful having them on this week's Sporty Girl episode. It's just so wonderful to hear from women who inspire you and honestly who have a lot more figured out than the three of us do. So it's been really fun to get their advice. I think we're all heeding it very carefully, especially now. So big thanks to Katie and Jessica. What a great episode. What a great discussion. That's all for this week's episode. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to follow us on Spotify or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you feel so inclined, a rate and review would be just fine. We'd really appreciate that. You can also find us on Instagram at her.blog.life. And for blog posts, you can go to herbloglife.online. For behind-the-scenes videos of recordings like this one, just search Rachel Malik on YouTube to find our channel. And as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Rachel Malik. This has been the Her Life Blogcast. Blogcast.